You're locked into Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast with your hosts, EZD, Derek Jaws, T-Wave, Taylor Sekaterski, Bold Claim, Ben Yelich, Big Diesel, Nick Yelich, and Austin Kelm, the Statman. Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast is part of the BICBP radio network. Check us out online, www.bicbp-radio.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hat Stats and Stats Podcast, episode 129 of HTS, a championship caliber pro sports podcast based in Buffalo, New York. I am a very tired and kind of punch drunk, EZD, joined by the stat dad making his return to the show. Austin, what's up, buddy? What is going on, buddy? Oh, man, I feel like we've been talking for two hours. And we, um, have, we just it, started. It, it has been two hours. Oh, uh-huh. fuck. oh there you go. Uh, so <laughs> it, it is, you ever forget happened to me yeah no no kidding it is the uh the start of summer though it doesn't feel like it with this nice chilly 55 degrees seriously i can't believe it's mid-june already with this weather no kidding and with mid-june uh you know comes the the mandatory mini camp at the start of summer and <laughs> not mandatory for everybody well it, i mean it depends on who you talk to <laughs> Uh, so obviously, you know, OTA started and people, you know, the, the, the big thing had like, oh, Diggs isn't at OTAs, big Diggs isn't at OTAs. And he hasn't been at like the normal non, like the rookie OTAs and the, like the, you know, the non-mandatory ones. He hasn't been at those a couple of years, you know, a lot of guys that weren't at him and then mandatory minicamp started and the report hits, right? Diggs not in, you know, Diggs is not at, 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 at minicamp. Well, because it was odd because he was there and he had his physical and then he well, left and didn't that, attend. That didn't, that didn't come out. Like the initial report was just that Diggs wasn't there. Right. Not not home. Not no bueno. And people started losing it. And then it was clarified that like by his agent, he's like, no, he's in Buffalo. He was in Buffalo yesterday like he was supposed to be like he got his physical. He checked in with the team like everything else. And like, okay, so he's there. Like what happened? And like, then the, and, and I'm sure we'll get to all of this. We're just kind of surmising the scenario here. Um, McDermott comes out and says, you know, that the, the situation is very concerning uh, about Diggs not being at, at practice that day. Then Diggs's agent comes out and was like, what the, like, what's very concerning. Like he was in Buffalo. Like he was talking to the coaches. Like what, what's the concern? Uh, like this is news to me, and he like he came out and said, you know, he'll he'll be at minicamp, like he'll be there ready for work tomorrow, and 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 he was he was there on whatever he missed Tuesday and was there Wednesday or whatever it was. Yeah, and we we spent like the rest of Tuesday in this nuclear wasteland. That like if you talk to any Bills fan, the news of Stefan Diggs and and any potential scenario turned into. I just picture this animation of basically like Chernobyl, just a huge reactor meltdown, two dudes like wrapped in like burlap rags and like they look like ravagers and they're like, man, what happened here? Oh, dude, it was ugly. It was ugly. How long ago? That Diggs didn't show up like four hours ago. And like in reality, it's just that wasn't anywhere close to what it was. It was a perfect storm of different things that like led to that, but you would have thought like the bills are like we were back in the the bills are being sold to Toronto and Bon Jovi's a dick. I mean, like I, I do want to know what it was, though. I, I mean, I, I am curious as to what it was that he showed up and got so pissed that he was excused from the first day. 
and won't be like, fined for anything. And that's the interesting side of it is like the fact that so I mean, like McDermott came out and said, like, listen, like we had literally just got done with some of these conversations and stuff like that. And like, you know, I like the end, like it's always concerning when, you know, you're having these conversations, but like we're, we're men, we're both passionate. Like we decided collectively, like both sides decided that it was better off to walk away for a little bit yesterday and let cooler heads prevail. And there's a lot of rumor out there, right? Right. Like there's rumor that he wasn't a fan of the receivers coach being uh like, like, let like being gut, like it was at Chad hall. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's rumor that him leaving was, was part of it. Um, you know, that, there's a rumor that it was the fact that we spent an entire offseason like bolstering the defense more and more and more. And, you know, there are really no like wet like additions to help the offense that are big names by any means. Like the other one I read that he was unhappy with Dorsey not scheming him open. That every game he gets the, the best corner, which you would expect being the team's best sure. receiver and one of the best receivers in all of the NFL and AFC. I mean, everything together. But that Listen, guys, I, I understand that they blanket me and there are the games that I get double covered, or whatever, but like scheme me open, put me in motion, put me in the slot, move me around. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can make those things happen, but we just went, huh, Diggs is covered today. Oh, okay. I do you know, like, like, what are we talking about? And, you know, and it's funny because like you, you, like we say that and he was still to like top five in targets, top five in receptions. Like, I saw somebody said that uh, some statistician had put out that like the first. Um, nine games of the season or whatever like that. That he we were six and three overall as a record. He averaged uh whatever eight or nine uh, targets a game, and he averaged 109 yards, and he had six 100 yard games. Um, and then but we were six and three, and in the last seven games, all of his targets stuff like all of his his personal stats went down. He scored less touchdowns, averaged less targets, less yards, everything. We went seven and zero. Right. Do you know what I mean? So like we started spreading the ball around more and it actually was better for our team overall. Now, is that a coincidence? Was the second half of the schedule weaker? I, you know, who's to say, but he, we started moving the ball around more and for no fault of anybody's own, <laughs> we, we won seven games in a row. So I was like, okay. Well, and the, and the interesting side of that too, is like when that, like the, the start of the year, our offense looked explosive. I mean, that was when, you know, we came out and we, we thumped the Rams on Thursday night on the Thursday night opener. We, you know, we went and we like our like there was a point in one of those games. I looked at whoever the hell we were watching the game with. And I was like, we're the 2000 whatever. Like was that the 20, the 2007 Patriots that were like, oh, look, it's first and first and 10 on our own like half yard line. And we're coming out gun five wide and scoring a touchdown on the first play. They, they just went for it all the time. Fourth and two from your own 35 gun five wide. Wes Walker, yeah. first down. Okay, and then that—that's like I—I I remember that one specifically with Brady to. Uh, it was Brady to Welker for a ninety-nine-yard touchdown on like a stop and go, because I beat our our buddy Buffalo Freddie in a fantasy football game on that connection, like that play on the first play of Monday Night Football gave me the win I needed, like the win for that week, and I watched Josh hit Gabe on a on a on a ninety-nine-yard bomb, and I looked at. I'm pretty sure it was it was T Wave. I looked it was like we're the Patriots, like. And our offense very slowly morphed into this weird, slower, more grinded out, like kill some clock type, not so flashy offense. Like, and you know, the, the other rumor behind this whole digs thing is last year, you know, Dorsey really wanted to run 12 personnel and he wanted to run it with OJ Howard. 
it didn't really work. Now we went and drafted a first round tight end that people are saying gives us that option to run that 12 personnel that Dorsey wants to run out of. And Von, Von Miller called him insane today. Oh, yeah. He said, yo, this kid, Dalton Kincaid, is insane. Yeah. And listen, I mean, so that's got to be good. Now, it's all preseason hype, but I mean, I'm excited about that. No, I agree. I mean, like, I like, I love Von Miller. I, you would think when you t- have a dude like Von Miller who's deemed to be intelligent about the game, when he says something like that, you like should be excited. Although, I mean, according to Von Miller, OBJ was like going to be a bill last year and it never happened. So he's kind of losing the stamp of approval. Uh, not like I like not that he is losing, but his stamp means less. But I'm excited. Uh, but I like I've heard that you know there's rumor that that was what was behind Diggs's thing is like you want to run a bigger package, like which means they're gonna put more emphasis and more skilled guys on the receivers as opposed to better spreading their skilled guys thin and like causing matchup problems. Like they're going to match us up with a bigger package, but their best corners are going to be on our best receivers mm-hmm. as opposed to being able to scheme things where I'm, maybe I'm not against going against sauce Gardner the entire fucking game. So, you know, and I had um, an interesting video from TikTok earlier that was um, Colin Coward was talking about the, the dick stuff. And now he, I mean, he's, he's a provocative guy. He's saying it for clicks or likes or whatever, I, or maybe he's not, maybe it's just his opinion, but whatever he's, he's not on TV to be entertaining. So, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but you know, he was talking about that McDermott's pot- potentially, potentially on the hot seat that if there was a, a coach firing after this year, that like just he, in his hypothetical, he goes, Miami's very fast. Miami looks good. He goes, let's just say, two stays healthy. Miami wins the division. He goes, Buffalo's still probably a playoff team. He goes, they can be a wild card. He goes, they're, they're, they're not garbage. He goes, I can still see him winning 10, 11, 12 games. He goes, I could also see Miami winning 12, 13, 14, you know what I mean? It's not unreasonable to think that. Um, he goes, if that were to happen, he goes, he was that firing, he goes, would not shock me. He goes, that you're in a modern NFL. He goes, you have a defensive minded head coach he goes a, a rigid defensive minded head coach who wants to do things his way and that like i mean he's just set in his ways and that's what he's going to do he goes i'm he goes i'm sorry he goes that's not the modern nfl he goes you look at all these teams that are doing well he goes where you know uh the chiefs are getting offensive linemen they're picking up offensive weapons you know the the cincinnati just kept they went boyd then they went higgins then they got chased then they drafted a t- you know what i mean like they got offensive linemen what did buffalo do okay they signed a b agent they gave ed oliver an extension they got you know what i mean like defense 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 even now thank goodness we went dalton kincaid this year but i think that was the first skill position player in the first round that McDermott's ever taken. So in five or six years worth, I mean, if you're going to count Allen, but I mean, it was Allen and Kincaid in six years. Right now, maybe it's who, who they, who fell to him. You know what I mean? You can't control the draft. It's all the right. crap shoot anyways. He goes, but I'm looking at like, Oh, you need a center. And the chiefs got Creed Humphreys. And do you know what I mean? Like he was the Eagles have a top offensive line, <laughs> top receivers. The chiefs have a top offensive line, good quarterback. Like look at these playoff teams, top offensive line. They invest in offense. Cause that's the modern NFL. And that's what you need to do. And his speculation, and again, him just being provocative, was Diggs being upset at at the offseason. Had, hey, two years in a row now, we got the same outcome. We were a top AFC team, and the same issues happened twice in a row. And did we do anything to fix the problems? 
Not really. We kept drafting defense. You know what I mean? Like we did the same stuff two years in a row and nothing happens. And that in his opinion, Diggs was upset because he didn't feel we did enough to write that ship, which here's. So I, I, I saw like some of the hot clips of cowards rant mm-hmm. at first off. He I, like, I hate the fact that these sports personalities no longer. I, I don't actually believe they voice their own personal opinion. I believe they voice things that will get people to view and intake their thing and then and drive it like they're they're it, they're becoming nothing but clickbait journalism. Well, like, it's, it's honestly, it's what it is. I mean, I've, I've said it for years. Skip Bayless does not. He's like the most hated man on any sports show. And I'm like, you think that Skip actually believes half the stuff? Like, he's just saying stuff because he knows that you'll watch it, whether to hate him or spite him or whatever. Every time you tune in, he makes more money. Right. Like, that is just it doesn't matter what reason it's for. Yeah. And, and that's exactly like, that's how I feel about this Colin Coward thing. But at the same token, like some of the hot, t- like you're some of the hot, like, hot moments from that where he's he's basically saying like like that McDermott's the problem that like McDermott is I think flat he, out the he, issue. He, I think he came out right and just oh, flat yeah. out said McDermott and is the problem. Like McDermott's the problem and like basically saying like the Bills are a failing franchise because of McDermott and it's like do you remember where we were before him? And like and okay so now people are going to hear that and be like oh that's just being acceptance being accepting of mediocrity and like one one team. One team wins the Super Bowl every year. So if you're if the judgment of a failing franchise is whether or not you win the Super Bowl every single year, then 30, 31 losers every year. Or 31 franchises should fire their coach every year. Like because you didn't win the Super Bowl, you didn't get your job done. I mean, like aside from the Chiefs, no one else has been there consistently with like well, like the, as consistently as the bill, t- Tom Brady, <laughs> that, 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 that he's in, the list in, in the last. I mean, since McDermott took over for the bills, no one has been consistently near the top as the bills aside from the chiefs. Now, yes, the chiefs are in our division or in our conference. They are like the stepping stone and like it, through that, like, oh, we didn't do enough. Like two years in a row, like we, you know, this happened and we d- we didn't do enough in in my opinion you know in my opinion i believe diggs thinks they didn't do enough to fix the problem bro we had that game won twice against fucking kansas city the offense wasn't the problem the defense was for a defensive minded head coach our offense did everything in its power and then some to win that game our special teams and our defense failed right josh allen had basically two perfect back to back playoff games against the pats and then yeah. Kansas City. Like Gabe Davis and like Josh Allen, like the Bills had one of the most offensive, like holy shit games ever. The offense wasn't the issue. That this e- past year, even even perpetual Bills hater Nick Wright was like, you know what? No more yeah, gruff it, for Josh it, Allen. Yeah. He goes, and nope. He goes, he goes, is he as good as Mahomes? He goes, no. He goes, but he goes, you will not hear me dog him or say that he's not up to it. He goes, never again. He goes, he earned my respect last night. He said that might have been the greatest football game he was I've ever seen of, of like anything ever. Yeah. He goes, that was unbelievable. And, like, and then you look at last year, like, was the offense sputtering? Yes. Was like, and did, did the defense do well? No. Like, I'm sorry. We, there, there was nothing our defense was doing to stop to stop Cincinnati. 
in either game. And I, I don't think the offense itself was like the team as a whole was a problem last year. Hard, hard to, hard to argue with it. I mean, if you told me, like, even if, if you played the game again, if you played the game again against the Dolphins, where we almost lost to Skylar Thompson, mm-hmm. like that game's not close. But I mean, like you look at it, and this isn't an excuse thing. The whole team was off. The whole mojo, the whole flow, all of it was off. And then you add in a first year play caller. And you add in the defensive injuries and you add in watching your teammate die and then come back to life and everything else that happened last year. Like, come on, man. The fact that they even like had like any fight at all by the end of last season is impressive. It had to be exhausting. It was definitely a marathon. And like you, you look at this whole thing and you said like McDermott's the problem. McDermott's the problem. You know, he's like in the time he's been coaching, he's number six in win percentage. He's like 0.02 behind Andy Reed. Like nobody on the planet saying fire Andy Reed. Cause Andy Reed doesn't win enough football games. Now granted the super bowl help, but as far as like winning football games goes, 0.02 winning percentage behind Andy Reid in the same stretch of time. I, I think I think people's main issue, and, and they kind of forget that it was a transition, that it was something that, you know, we're on a spectrum here, that Andy Reid being an offensive coach his whole career, you know, having McNabb and Westbrook and all, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like he never had offensive talent, but that maybe it would have been the defenses that wasn't up to snuff back in the day when defense wins championship air quotes and you needed a strong running game. And that, and that's how you won back in the day right. that now Andy Reed didn't have to adapt his style to the NFL. The NFL changed to fit all of Andy Reed's strengths. And then on top of it, you just happen to draft the next Tom Brady, which I mean, helps anything. I don't care sure. what maybe Mahomes makes everything easier, but it's, you know, people go, Oh, it took him 21 years to win his first Super Bowl. Like I no, I get it. I understand. But like, he is now considered like a modern-minded NFL coach, right? That he, you know, the the offensive things that he schemes like it's crazy. Every season, I see the Chiefs do something I've never seen before. When they're in the huddle and they all go ring around the fucking rosy, and then do you know what I mean? Like, and then they're all in random spot. I'm like, what? What just happened? And it confused me watching it. And I'm sure it confused the defense. Oh, another touchdown! Shocker. Oh yeah. They mean two two walk in touchdowns in the Super Bowl against a very very good Eagles defense. Where like you motion Kadarius Tony across and they're late handing coverage off, and then McKinnon sneaks out the other way and he scores a touchdown. Right. Okay. Then they do the exact same thing again, except instead of coming across, Kadarius Tony stops, and while the D backs are communicating, he goes back where he came from. They snap it. Nobody covered him, and he walked into the end zone. Like it was the exact same play, exact same motion. Two different people caught the ball. They were both walk-in touchdowns. Right. And for something that's a copycat league, I want to be like, why don't I ever seen anybody else doing that? Do you know what I mean? Like, why steal that? Copy it. Take it right from the TV. I don't care. You mean to tell me that James Cook or you know what I mean? Like Dalton Kincaid, somebody couldn't have walked in there or we can't do the same thing. Right. No. And I agree with you. Like it's for me, it's one of those things like, and like no, nobody's arguing Andy Reed's offensive prowess. Like 
much like I like honestly this year I'm excited to see what our defense looks like with McDermott calling the shots mm-hmm. because unlike Andy Reid McDermott let his coordinators do the job I think twice in Frazier's tenure there were reports of like Sean McDermott has taken over calling the defense because things weren't going well and Sean was like we're fucking done here I'm taking over for a minute like you can have it back next game and the defense looked immediately better I'm excited with like the things that we've added, the pieces that are like in play now and like the things that are going on with the dude that like it like they're running his scheme, but now like it's like it's like you calling the play in Madden that you know works every time versus you telling me what the play is and telling me how to run it and like when to right. call it. Like Listen, you're, you're I, I always gonna be better out. I hope it works out. Because really I, if the defense struggles again this year. It was easy to scapegoat Frazier, and I'm not a Leslie Frazier fan. I think he should have been fired two years ago, but because they were like buddy-buddy, he let his friends stick around longer than he should have, which is an indictment on McDermott because at the end of the day, we're here to win football games. This is a business. It's not about you being friends with them. Part of me wonders how much of that was like, hey, man, like, all right, this one was a fluke. Like, we should have played that against the Chiefs a little bit different, like, you know, we, we shouldn't have sat back playing this prevent. Like we, we anticipated pressure with our front four and like figured it would be easier to close coming up than it would to be trying to catch their speed going back. Like it won't happen again. And then like last year, like after last year and after how everything happened and how we, like we couldn't do, I mean, we did it again against the Bengals. Oh, look, they need three yards and my linebackers are lined up eight and a half deep. I don't see a single defensive back in the fucking screen. Snap, catch, first down, plus four, move the sticks. Well, I mean, we didn't stop them at all. Right. Their first game before DeMar Hamill went down, like they went right downfield and scored. Oh, yeah. With it, with it. And then, and I don't even, I don't, I don't think we kicked a field goal. I don't remember, like, I don't know how much of the game, I forget because so much of that game was just DeMar. I don't think we ever kicked a field goal or did anything. I, we, I think we ended up because the, like, ensuing drive, we were moving the ball. And I distinctly remember like Josh looking up in the booth at Dorsey being like, let's fucking go like, like run tempo, get it moving. Like we can do what they like, what they just did. Let's go. Like when we speed it up, they can't hang. And like, we, we didn't score. I I don't think, I think it was seven zip because then they got the ball back and we're moving it again. And then Hamlin got hurt because he's not defense. No, like I, I think we went for it on fourth down and didn't get it. Right. Is is what happened there. Like it was right. something stupid, but like you know, like I, I distinctly remember like Josh looking up to Booth being like, Let's fucking go, like let's put the let's like let's fucking stand on the gas here. Like we're well, a high octane offense. Why are we playing slow? Well then you get to the divisional round and again they go right downfield and score. And I'm look I'm watching TV going, Did we not learn anything from the last time we played? They went right downfield and scored, and then they stopped us. I mean, if it weren't for the DeMar Hamlin injury, it looked like they were going down to score again. We play them uh, six weeks later, said whatever the time frame right. was. They went right downfield and scored. They stop us. Then they went right downfield. Like, I mean, it was effortless. Yeah. Burrow was like nine for nine for 110 yards and two scored. Like, it was stupid. We were completely and totally outmatched yeah. for a air quote top five defense. It, it, it was, was embarrassing. It was I don't know what happened. It was. And- I, I think it was one of those things where, you know, there's a lot of factors to it. But at the end, at the end of the day, I don't think there was ever going to be a, a spot where Frazier came back this year 
but I, I think the bills were kind of hoping he would step away on his own initially, mm-hmm. which is why you didn't see like, I, I would have loved to have seen like Brian Flores come to Buffalo. That would have been fantastic. But like Flores, Vic Vangio, there's a lot of defensive guys that would have loved to have seen. Right. And they like, they all got jobs. They all went somewhere. And then like the news, like, Oh, Frazier taking a step away from football. Like part of me wonders how much of that was like him saying, Oh, like I'm not going anywhere. I'm under contract. And then be like, come on, man. Like we don't want to fire you. Like we, like we think you're a good dude. We want you to get a head coaching job. Like, like you're going for head coaching jobs. Like you don't need to be fired by us going into a head coaching hunt. Like, I think it was a combination of like hoping someone else would hire him, hoping that like he would get a headman job somewhere, hoping that like he would maybe kind of like, oh, I'm going to like go pursue other avenues. And then finally having to be like, hey, man, can you please go pursue other avenues? Like we don't want the like we don't want to put the blemish on the on the resume, but like you don't really have a spot here anymore. We need to move on. Like and I I'm hoping that's the case. Like, but again, I, I have all the faith in the world in McDermott and his ability to you know, to, to, to run a defense and run a defensive scheme. And now I just, I need Dorsey to step up. I need Dorsey to figure out like how to do things with the offense and the weapons that we have. You know, we've got speedy receivers. Now we've got two tight ends that can stretch the field, that can catch the ball in traffic, that can be a a release over the middle. We have two very speedy athletic electric running backs. We have a plug running back. We have a dude who's a plug who can run and catch out of the backfield now. Like, we have a lot going on, a lot of good stuff happening. I'm excited to see like a, a Spencer Brown bounce back season. Like, I, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I definitely hope so. It's, I mean, I, I'm I'm a skeptic right now. I, I mean, avid fan. It's football season. I'm super excited. I mean, right. let's roll. I, mean, I don't we're, think we're we're, gonna... we're talking active football things happening. We're not talking like draft speculation. Right, right. So I mean, it's it's not like I think we're gonna have a garbage season. I would like to see them make adjustments that, you know what I mean? I've, so my father-in-law talks all the time about, so he went to all four Bills Super Bowls. Right. So he, he's been to all four of them. He bought a bottle of champagne every year. He still has them. They're in his basement and next to all of his Bills stuff. That he goes, if we ever win one, here's we're going to open it. He goes, it's going to taste like garbage. It's th- however many years old. He goes, well, whatever. We're drinking it. I don't care. So he's got them all. But he goes, he was the thing that was the most frustrating. He goes, was watching us go to four straight Super Bowls. He goes, we kept bringing back the same players. We ran the same offensive styles. We did the exact same thing every single year. Because he, in his words, it just felt like getting there was good enough. He goes, at no point did they take, like, hey, no, listen, that's fine. Whatever the K gun offense gets us there, or like whatever that, that thing was. It's getting like, you didn't do anything to get yourself over the hump. And he goes, I'm watching the bills right now. He goes, and I feel like we're, we're spinning our tires and we're doing the same thing that we're, we're well, to your point, McDermott's got us there. We're three time AFC East division winners. Like we're in it since he got here. Okay. What are you doing to get us to the next step? Not just get us back to where we were the year before. You're either, you're either growing or you're dying. There ain't no third direction. Like What's you're either like- trying you know what I mean? My my biggest my biggest point to this is like so you look at dudes like somebody like Sean Payton, right? People consider Sean Payton like one of the greatest coaches potentially of all time. Like people talk about him like he is just this fucking guru who is oh my god incredible to the point that like 
there were people saying like we should trade this person, this person, and McDermott for Peyton to to run the Bills because Sean Payton is just that guy. When Sean Payton won a Super Bowl in his sixth year and didn't win another one, and like went on run, like his, his run with his first six year run with the Saints is so ungodly canny to McDermott's first five, like first five years so far with the bills. Like if McDermott wins one, wins it this year, their first six seasons will be almost identical. Mm -hmm. It's, it's incredible. And like, but you can pick six other, like, like, uh, like another six year span where they didn't win a super bowl. And McDermott, like McDermott's first five year, like any, any five year span, like that doesn't include the super bowl. And McDermott's five years with the Bills are far better. But people would, oh, I'm going to take Sean Payton every day. Why? Because he won one over a 20-year career. Give McDermott a 20-year career. Maybe he wins one, too. Like, well, give, I think it's the, the offensive It's the offensive mindset. It's a thing I said about Andy Reid, that back in the day, he was an offensive guy when half the guys in the league that were head coaches were all defensive. Right. You know what I mean? That now everyone's chomping at the bit because in an offensive league, you want the offensive genius. It pains me to say this because I think he's the greatest coach of all time. No one's looking for the next Bill Belichick. Like, do you know what I mean? Like no one's looking for the next defensive guy. Like I don't, I just don't think they are. It, it's I think the only, I think, I think the longer Belichick stays in the league, the more he's tarnishing his legacy because it's proving that it was Tom Brady and it wasn't Bill, but that's another story for another time. But I feel like, I mean, that's, that's an excellent point that these defensive guys, if they didn't, and because I think so much of it is luck. If they didn't get lucky with their respective quarterbacks, I think they would get fired a lot more often than they do. Do you know what I mean? Like, just I think it's it's just one of those things. Dan Quinn had the Legion of Boom, Seattle's defense. They were unbelievable. He goes to Atlanta. He gets Matt Ryan. Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't have to do anything with the offense. He, I mean, also he had Kyle Shanahan there. So I mean, that's a whole. Right. He's a genius. So I mean, that just worked out where he just had the defense. But then eventually, like. Matt Ryan started to decline. And as soon as the quarterback started to go, he started losing and he got fired. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like, had he missed on Matt Ryan or decided to go to, you know what I mean? Or some other situation, he would just, oh, he got fired. How about that? Do you know what I mean? It's, I just don't feel like people are. But I'm like, I mean, Frank Reich's an offensive minded head coach. Like, yeah, I mean, you can say that for anybody. Like, he, he wasn't, like, if you put Frank Reich on, I don't know the Tom Brady led Tampa Bay Bucks. He probably looks like a fucking genius. Like, well, it, I think he's a good coach. I think he's going to be great in Carolina. I don't think he should have been fired. I don't think when you saddle him with thirty nine year old Matt Ryan, thirty eight year old Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, and then you right. go, so like, oh, he they struggled. No, no kidding. I, yeah, everybody. But, like, but 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 that argument that goes the other way. If you saddle a defensive minded head coach with some fucking jabroni as his quarterback, like. Are you going to sit there and be like, well, you know, these defensive minded head coaches don't get it done or like, no, nah, dude, that dude was relying on fucking Mark Sanchez and Mike White. Like, I don't fuck like, no, I, and I agree with you, but I also think that like he went to, the, I mean, Frank Reich went to the playoffs of Philip Rivers. Do you mean like, like, Philip, Philip Rivers, not a slouch at quarterback. All right. So we had a little technical issue there, a little uh, streaming problem with the zoom room, but uh, basically I had said something to the effect of how, you know, being saddled with, or like I'm, you, you said, Frank Reich made a, made a playoff run with Philip rivers. I had made the statement that, you know, rivers was no slouch at quarterback, even in his older age. Like 
you know, I mean, was he the Philip Rivers in his prime in his late twenties? No, but he was still good. He was still intelligent. He was still good enough to get it done. There also wasn't a whole ton of, you know, incredible talent aside from the running back on that team. But like, I don't know, like, I mean, I don't care what, what side of the ball your brain is on as a coach. If you have, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to have a long career there. No, no, and then that's 100% true. And I like, I like Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin's a fantastic coach. I think he's very McDermott ish. Yes. You know what I mean? He's defensive minded head coach. You know what I mean? I mean they were forever. Former teammates, right? Weren't they? That sounds right. Uh, they could be. They definitely yeah. could be. Yeah. I, I believe. Or they're from the same state or something. I'm pretty sure they were college teammates. I, I'll buy it. I'll go with it. Um, but I do think Mike Tomlin having Ben Roethlisberger for 18 years helps everything you do. You know what I mean? But sure. I, don't, I don't know. And you can and you can call it. T- and we had this conversation the last time I was on about talent evaluators and and finding gems in later rounds. And now and see now this is something else that I was going to bring up to you. I was going to text you about this and I forgot because I was painting. You ever forget happened to me? <laughs> um, that Pro Football Focus came out with the the every team's Power Five players. Did you catch that? No. So they they ranked every team's core five players, right? And then they ranked each team's set of five. Okay, so the Bills, their core five were Allen, Diggs, um, Von Miller, Matt Milano, Trey White, which I thought was sure. fair. I said, if I'm, I'm picking, right, picking five guys, it's probably those five guys. Um, they were ranked fifth. So those five guys were ranked fifth. So I was like, okay. I said, that was fine. The Chiefs were one. Eagles were two. I, the usual suspects were in front of us. Um, my yes, well, issue Chief, was... Chiefs, Eagles, Bengals... Yep, yep, yep. And I don't remember who was fourth. I'm trying to think who would even be. It better not have been the Dolphins. I don't think so. Just because I don't know what they have on the the other side of the ball. I and mean, you might say Tua Waddle Hill. Right. And then, I'm, I'm not sure who. Else. Well, and then Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey and Chubb. I, I mean, listen, it could have been. that. That's a good five. I mean, it's, it's I, a good five, but like it's not. It's not top. Like it's not they, that, that they don't deserve to be in front of the Bills, in my opinion. But when you, it's semantics, so it's so could. But I would but not I'm think it's a ridiculous. Right, exactly. I don't think it's a ridiculous argument. So the the issue I had, and now up because he's going on thirty four. But the Bills had the oldest five in the league. That 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 concerned me. That I was like, okay, Allen's 27. Diggs is going to be 30 this season. Matt Milano's going on 29. Trey White's going on 28. Uh, Vaughn's 34. That I go, none of our young studs are in the top five. And now a coworker of mine was asking me, he said, you know, okay, he goes, so Vaughn retires, right? So it's not him. He goes, who's the next guy? I go, okay, well, you hope maybe it's Rousseau. You hope it's Elam. You know what I mean? But at this point right now, Neither one of those guys look like they would help the ranking stay there. I feel like if they became our top five guy, we would go backwards. No, I, I think so you know what I mean. Like our ranking would go down. I think the easy answer on that is either Poyd, uh, Poyer or Hyde, and I think our ranking stays the same, which would be fine. But we'd still but, have but, the but again, oldest like the, the age set of five there, in yeah, the league. Sure. You know, and like, and and that was my argument to you. The, the last time was that whether it be because of talent evaluation or whatever the issue is, at no point did we just find a stud. 
Now, your counterpoint was, hey, listen, Bean drafts these guys, and like with all the names that you read, like 85% of them were all still on the roster. Do you know what I mean? So like we, they're, they're sticking around. They're not getting cut. Right. You know, and there was solid depth guys and, and, and all pro special team. Right? Fine. All good things. You didn't find a stud. You didn't find Creed Humphreys. You didn't draft the next Matt Milano. You didn't find, you know what I mean? Now, listen, maybe Dorian Williams is a stud and he he's a 21-year-old monster. You know, maybe. Could be anything. I just know that other teams are doing it and we seem to be struggling finding those gems later on because we're never going to pick at five unless Allen goes down to well, get the next Jamar Chase. That's never, you know what I mean? Like, And I guess... I guess the question is like, okay, so right now they're not, but like Gabe Davis could be. Gabe Davis has shown signs that he should be. That's sure. a fourth round draft pick. Could third round, could draft, be. whatever it was. I mean, no, I think you were right the first time. I think it was a four. You know, um, between Elam and who's the other corner we picked in the late rounds last year? Black Blackshear, or was that the running? No, Blackshear back? was the running back. Yeah, it's Taron Johnson, Elam, Trey It's it's late. I'm drawing a blank, but like, I mean, yeah, I know, I know, I know showed, exactly who you're talking about. He, he was very good. Yeah, he showed flashes. I mean, that's a, a sixth or a seventh round pick who like really was fighting for a starting job at points last year. And, so, but there, I think there's an argument to be made between being, hey, you got some starter reps, or you're our starting slot guy. Like finding a starter later is fine. Creed Humphreys is the best center in football. Do you know what I mean like Chris Jones might be the best defensive tackle in football? Uh, Nick Bolton, who's on your fantasy team, has turned into one of the best young linebackers in all of football. Do you know what I mean like the Chiefs go, oh, third round pick, Nick Bolton, second round pick, Creed Humphreys? Do you know what I mean like late round pick, best in the position, late round pick, best? Like we don't have a single guy on our team that we found in the fourth round that you go, what a steal. I cannot believe 130 picks went by and nobody grabbed. Like that's how I feel about Milano. He was a fifth round pick. He finally got the well-deserved recognition for being an all pro last year. People in Buffalo have been screaming that he was critically underrated for a long time, but that's the last guy, but that wasn't Bean. That was the year before. Do you know what I mean? So like we haven't found any of those guys who came out and you went, that was Bean's first year. McDermott wasn't with him. No, he was 2017. That's Trey White, Matt Milano. It was McDermott. It wasn't Bean. It was oh, technically yeah, no, Doug, right. Doug, Doug yeah, Whaley yeah, and McDermott. Way, yeah. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, so, um, I mean, you know, you can say that, but like, again, I mean, we have what this is, this, <clears throat> this, this draft class will be his fifth. Six. Yeah. Eight, eight, 18 to present. Right. Yes. Yeah, so 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So this is his sixth, his sixth draft class. And like, I mean, I still think that Edmonds could be, and he was like really starting to show signs. Be like, oh, five years in the league. He's only twenty four at five years in the league. Most guys mm-hmm. are twenty six and twenty six and up at this point. Like maybe, maybe, maybe I was just saying more than that. Yeah, you know, if, if again, yeah, not, if not older. Um, again, Gabe Davis has shown signs to be the, the amount of people that are like, let's just trade him. Let's just trade him. I'm like, yeah, like he's the dude that we go, we trade, and then he ends up being like a monster for somebody else. And then he's like the talking point of social media forever. Oh, we fucking got rid of this guy. can't evaluate talent. We don't know what we have. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm maybe I should be more critical of our front office 
but I I refuse to be one of these people who just everything sucks until we win it and then I can celebrate. Like right. And I don't mean that everything sucks, but I mean when when these rankings get put out and they're only doing it, like I said, for clickbait and for talking points. Well, That's the only it, reason to rank those power five guys, but that we have the oldest one. And I'm thinking about it going, oh shit. We we do have the oldest one. You know yeah, what I mean? No, I, and, and if we're putting Poyer and Hyde, and listen, they could be all pro players again this year. We would still be really old because they're both going to be 33. And again, I look at them like, so we'll flash forward to 2024. They're both gone because they're both out of contracts now. And I don't think the replacements on the roster. I don't think it's Hamlin. I don't think it's Taylor Rapp. I, I think the guy to place either safety position is on the team. That is a bit frustrating. I don't know what you do with that now that, that the replacements aren't there. So I feel like our secondary takes a hit. And we could go down the rabbit hole of every future and who's leaving and and whatever. You know, I, I mean, like and that but that's one of those things too. Like, but that like that's part of the job of the front office. Like those two guys leave. I mean, we found those two guys. Sure. From sure. other teams who didn't see the value in them. I, I just feel like we routinely keep getting older instead of getting younger. That all the guys that we bring in, like, oh, 30 year old D tackle, up oh, 33 year old defensive end. Do you know what I mean? Like, we like Leonard Floyd. Now, I was a fan of a Leonard Floyd pickup. I, I, but, but he's 30. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, we, we're, we're going in the wrong direction. We're like the Yankees for that five-year stretch there where they just kept bringing in guys in their mid-30s and they kept being mediocre. And I'm like, at what point do you stop bringing in middle-aged football people or this analogy, baseball people to like go after some use, be athletic, be fast. The Dolphins seem to be embracing that. Get younger, get faster, have a NASCAR offense, go nuts with it. Like, and I'm not saying we have to be like the Dolphins, but. Well, like, I mean, but we did bring in some youth and some speed with some of the, like some of the depth receivers we brought in. But again, you got to think too, like, you know, our, like our, the, the big name people that we bring in, or like the, the, like the people that you look to bring in, you can only pay so many of them. So like, you know, Deandre Hopkins would love to see him in a bill's uniform. That'd be awesome. I still, to this, to this day, believe when he is healthy, he is the best receiver in the league. I don't think, I, I don't think anyone can do what he does as good as he does it. The only thing that people have on him is, some guys are faster. I think he's the one, like he's the best route runner. I think he's got the best hands. I think he's got a lot, the best a lot of guys are like, faster than Larry Fitzgerald too. And that, oh shit. that dude, that like, dude played till he was 35 and he was just fine. Right. So like, would love to see it. But again, how much money does he want? Like apparently he, a lot because right, that, right, otherwise like, somebody would have signed him already. Like, yeah, like the, like the chiefs and the bills are both like, Hey man, when that price tag comes a little closer to earth, let us know. Right, right. If you're willing to take three or four million dollars with some incentives, we'd be we'll, we'll give it to you. Sure. Uh, like, but at the same time, like, okay, so you either you're either drafting these young guys and like so Shakir can be could be that guy. Shakir sure. showed some flashes. And like the but they said flat out, like, oh, like what about Shakir? What about Shakir? Like you brought in all these other receivers, and like, listen, he is going to be up for the position. He's gonna be a guy who's gonna fight for playing time, but he's gotta show consistency. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, sure, yeah. You know, like we we gave McKenzie that shot. He didn't do it. We moved on. Yep. Like, which is exactly like it's it's not like we're paying dudes who don't who aren't getting the job done. It's not like we're keeping guys around who are mediocre. Like Poyer and Hyde, all pros. You know, Milano, like, and all these guys on like I mean, Von Miller, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like we're 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 not. It's not like we're saying like, hey man, like 
our top five is a thirty, you know, a thirty-three year old defensive end who's okay. Like it's no, it's he's future Hall of Famer, a two-time Super Bowl champion. Like this dude is fucking legit, and he showed last year he can still bring it. Well, so but that's why people think that our our window for a Super Bowl is not closed, but certainly more closing than opening. Because we got Allen and Edmonds and Hyde and Poyer and all those guys were like 24. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and Edmonds and Allen were younger. Now, Edmonds and Allen are 27 and like 24, 25 respectively. Not, and, uh, and on the Bears. Well, well, right. But my point is like now they're all older. Now they're all 33. The replacements aren't on the roster anymore. Like Milano's going on 30. Diggs is going to be 30 this year. Like there's just... Do you know what I mean like that? That that's more of the issue is that we had a window, we had a core of youth that served us really, really well for the last five years. But unless you're a quarterback, you don't play to your 38. You know what I mean? Like you got well. So the, the average NFL career length is four years, I think, and that's I mean right. it's an average. Some guys go longer, some guys go shorter. But that that then begs the question, like, so you know, we brought in Von Miller. Do should we have not brought in Von Miller to maybe bring in somebody younger who might be? good enough because like we're talking about a super bowl window at some point like you have to bring in dudes right like so when you when you're filling holes you can't just like fill holes with randoms like you can't right if the guy doesn't exist he's not the right he's not there so like like we didn't try we drafted rousseau we drafted epinesa like we 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 gave it a whirl like we tried well and like but those guys busts are we not coaching them properly or to your point are they in the wrong scheme like what do we do i'm i'm not convinced that any of them are busts i think epinesa is a solid player and i think i'm me and the yellich boys are a lot higher on him than than most people are but like you know rousseau's what going into his second year this year no third he was here last year yeah he's two years ago at least yeah so like but i mean so he's on his third 21 like the guys that come out and splash as rookies are far and few between. Even like, sure, they're very far and few between. So like, he's mm-hmm. hitting that point like right now where this should be like a coming out year for him. You know, people are like, oh, we should trade Boogie Basham. Like, I don't know, man. I'm not really willing to trade and move like second round draft picks in their third season. I, I'm just like people are like, oh, you know, again, and I'm I know I'm a big Spencer Brown mark. Like, oh, we should like we should move on from Spencer Brown. We should move on from Spencer Brown. I don't know, man. He was a third round draft pick <clears throat> that wasn't supposed to be ready to start for two to three seasons. Like this was supposed to be the season that this year was supposed to be the Spencer Brown coming out party. Well, and injuries he, he had to play. He had a solid a, rookie year. And it then, is a depth chart. At some point, you do need like even if you're not a right. starter, you, you need a guy there. Right. And guys and like, that get drafted in the fourth and fifth round make. like they don't even count towards the salary cap. And unfortunately you need those guys. Right. And like, and and like we, we have those guys and like those guys are around and like, there are guys who could be those guys. I mean, all like fourth round, you know, fourth round draft pick. He ended up being the best in the draft. Like, you know, he ended up being the best, the best guy at his position. I mean, yeah, those guys are far and few between two. And like, again, 90% of the draft is luck. It's just like, I I just don't total total crapshoot. Nobody yeah, has I, I any just, idea. I just don't know what the answer is. Like, because again, I mean, before before Poyer and Hyde were on our team, we didn't have good safeties. So, like, who 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 was yeah, the next? We had we had Jarris Bird. He was he was a good guy. It, he was okay, but like, so he's he's so small trivia question here. Who's the last Buffalo Bill to have six interceptions in a season? Ashton Yabodi. 
No, Jarris Bird, 2009. It's been 14 years since a player had six interceptions. So uh, my my entire point is like, so Bird was okay. He wasn't an all pro. He wasn't like a holy shit. He wasn't a like Micah Hyde has taken over games before. Jordan sure. Poyer has taken over that, games before. That, like, that pick against Mac Jones in that playoff game, you like that. I mean, that was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. I thought, oh man, touchdown! Holy shit, the safety caught it. Like I did not see that coming. Right, and like so when you're when you're talking about like oh Jarius Bird is like on his way out, and his replacement's not on our roster. We brought in Micah Hyde and and, and Jordan Poyer. Like the fact that the dude, the next guy in, may not be on the roster yet doesn't concern me as much because I have faith that we can find him somewhere. Sure, I listen, but I, and now I agree with you. And there and there are guys out there like I mean John Johnson was an unbelievable safety. He's a free agent, and then unfortunately safety is a devalued position right now. People aren't looking for. If you've got one of the top five guys, if you got Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, like you have those guys, they're making $70 million. They're right. making a ton of money. They're the highest paid guys in the league. But I don't know. Other guys, it's you're you're just a dude. Like you yeah. people are just letting people let them go on free agency and it's whatever. I mean, Poyer was like, I want more money. I want a pay raise. I'm testing free agency. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, Buffalo, can I come back? I'll I'll take half the money I was making before. Okay, you got a deal. I because the market just wasn't there. Well, and like, I, and I think that's something that I, I think the people that I don't think people realize that. I mean, Milano wanted to test free agency too. Why? Because one, we weren't going to tag franchise tag him because his franchise tag was in like would have been in the realm of you know the top five pass like rushing 20, defensive ends. Yeah, twenty million dollars. Uh, like the sorry, the pass rushing outside linebackers. And like he went and tested the free agency market and realized that like that that market price tag on him was not anywhere near what he was getting. And he came like they looked like I, I guarantee you the conversation they had was something along the lines of like, hey, man, so this is what our offer is. We understand you're going to say no right now. Go test free agency. See what you can get. Let us know when you come back. That piece of paper is still going to be sitting there. We'd love to have you. You can come back because you came back on a hometown discount to play for the Bills. We'd love to have you. It took a week. Now listen, he's still making $12, $13 million a year, which I think exactly. is right, right where he should be paid. Absolutely. and like, But he's not making that like that big outside linebacker money because he doesn't play the right style of outside linebacker to be. Well, and he's also, he's also kind of a tweener. He's a little small. Yeah, Again, I think I like Milano a lot. I think it would have been fantastic to go get to do what the Bears did, except do it with the Bills. That we signed TJ Edwards in free agency and he plays middle linebacker and Edmonds gets to go play weak side linebacker and just go be an athletic freak. You don't have to plug gaps. You don't have to worry about eating double teams. That's the middle linebacker's job. Your job is to just go around and beat the running back to the edge and take him down. I think he's going to be a fantastic weeks like secondary piece to their linebacking core. Not the guy with the green dot, not the guy who's putting everybody in their spots and right. having to eat, eat, trying to shuck guards and you know what I mean to make their way through the heap and try to get to somebody. Well, and like that's that's another thing too. I would have loved to have seen him with somebody like Puna Ford in front of him. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would have loved to have seen that with like a consistent big body. That's going to eat double teams, garner attention that would let him go and run free. So like when he did run free in the past, like he was like, oh, shit, I'm not getting hit. And like that looked like he didn't know what to do because it was so weird. Right. But 
yeah, that's that's here nor there. Like I said, I I just don't think that like the age bothers me as much because I have full faith that one we don't we're not struggling with the people don't want to come to Buffalo narrative anymore. Sure, that's a very and, good point. Like we we do do a good job with like with with the drafting. Like, are we finding absolute fucking superstars? No, but are we finding guys that can play the fucking game? Absolutely. And we also do a good job of bringing people in. Like Mitch Morse has been very very solid for us. He was not somebody we drafted. I mean, you know, we, we've done well on both sides of that. So like, as long as I have Josh Allen, at quarterback and people aren't like burning the stadium down, I think we'll be fine. You know, the irony here, and you brought this up last time, the only guy that we drafted recently that fits that narrative of, wow, that stud was a fifth round pick. Why? Why a teller? Yep. Who plays with the Browns now? And he's one of the best guards in all of football. And that's one of the annoying things too, is like, we moved him as a piece because at the time he was just a depth piece. Right. And he wasn't at the point of taking a job from one of the two guys in front of him. Like, and like Isaiah Hodgins, like you look at him like, okay, whose job is he taking? Because like he does, he doesn't do the special team stuff that like Jake Kumro did. So like, he's not taking Kumro's job because that was Kumro's job. And when Kumro got offensive reps, it's because other guys needed a breath or mm-hmm. got hurt. So like, Hodgins wasn't taking his job because he's well, he doesn't play that that style of play. That he's not that 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 special teamer. So then, who on the field is he going to take the spot of? I mean, you can make the argument of McKenzie, but like, did he show enough to get a spot over our starting slot receiver? I, I don't know. Well, especially with the type of offense we were running at the time, the jet sweeps and the end arounds and like all those other things that McKenzie was doing. I say, I just can't do that. They're not. They're right. not built the so same like, way. You know, so like, oh, we let him go and he's going to be like, he, he's doing really, really well over there. Like, yeah, and he probably would have done really, really well over here. The problem was he needed to show enough as a fifth or sixth round pick, whatever he was, to crack the main roster, to be one of the top four receivers with the top four receivers going into even this past year when he was still on our practice squad for the start of the season. Right. Diggs, not taking his job. Davis, no, definitely not taking his job either. McKenzie, who we just extended because he showed out at the la- end of last year, and Crowder, who we brought in to be a f- another like speedy spot guy in that slot. That was unfortunate because I was a fan of Crowder. I thought he could have been good. I thought so too. And then like the like right before he got hurt, I, just, I he ran a couple lazy routes that like caused like he caused Josh's Josh, Josh, Josh's first interception because like he got lazy on his route and drifted. Like he was running like a hard drag. And he just like drifted upfield and it allowed the linebacker to cut underneath and pick the ball off where if he keeps going hard across the field, he not only catches it, but he gets to turn the edge on the linebacker that picked the ball off. But he got like, he just got complacent and got just a little drifty and deep on it and got, and and Josh got picked off and you like, you watched it in slow motion. I'm like, you dumb fuck. You're, 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 you're a veteran. You should, you, you know, better knock it off. Like he was going to be that guy that was running those five to seven yard slants and, and you know, slants, rubs, arrows, jets, and fucking drag routes and just turn the corner on people and just couldn't keep going across the field. He had to keep drifting and then he got hurt. And it ended up being a moot point anyways. True. But yeah, that's uh, I, I am not can like, I'm, I'm not overly worried, but I'm, I'm probably just too optimistic at this point. I also, I have a weird, like hard on for these people that just predict the bills are going to suck. The bills are going to suck. The bills are going to suck. And then they'll be the ones like hammered off their ass track, grabbing their nutsack at the parade. Like we're fucking great. Go bills, bills, mafia. And like, 
I just want to keep the receipts. Uh, listen, I, I'm not a, a doomsday person. And you know what I mean? like all these people, like they draft somebody and they lose their mind because everyone's a draft expert. Everybody, you oh know God. what I mean? Everybody's got uh, an advanced degree in, in draft analytics, you know what I mean? Or, or in what they should do in free agency. And it's like, everybody's got their pages and that's fine. Like I said, I just look at, it's really just a comparison. What are other teams doing to be successful? And I just noticed that they're not, always doing the same things. I can honestly say that this year, and maybe it's McDermott taking a firmer hand or or being or so, somebody somewhere, but the fact that we went tight end or offensive weapon, whatever you want to call Kincaid, and then took a guard and then you know me like I'm like, oh, we went offense, offense. Who are we? What what group of people are you? You know what I mean? Because we had right. not done that in quite some time. So no, I was actually I, happy to see that. I and and I agree. Like you know, you, you look around the league and like, I mean, like even people like people bring up the Bengals a lot. And the year like two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl, we spent an entire season talking about like they didn't do anything to fix their offense. They bolstered their defense. People don't remember that because they went to the Super Bowl with a high powered offense. But like they went from Joe Burrow's lucky to be alive and have two functioning knees to oh you're rolling with basically the same offensive line like maybe one or like one dude adjusted and like another dude the starter's not there his backup who was worse is now starting like and they was not good they they had like three injured offensive linemen on a line that already wasn't very good right and they like and they made a super bowl run and like so be like oh that's the that that's what you got you got to focus on offense like the Bengals didn't do it i mean you know and being said it flat out, like I don't want to be bad enough where I can take where like I took my quarterback the first year and then I took my like my top receiver the next year. I don't want to be that bad. Right. Like I don't want to be in that position. It's awesome. He's a dude. I'd love to have him. I don't want to be in the position where I can take him. Like I'd rather go get him later on in his career because I like if I'm if I'm able to pick that guy, it's because we sucked and I don't want to suck. And I'm good with that. Like I love that mentality. Like I'm I love the well, how do we get that guy? We get that guy by sucking, and this fan base can't take it. This this fan base can't take Josh Allen like breaking up with his girlfriend. If it costs us to lose a playoff game, maybe I understand it. I mean, of all the things, I doubt that was the that was probably like the least of his worries at the time. It didn't help, but I'm like, whatever, <laughs> dumb, yeah, dumb, so dumb. Uh, Drama, Rama in quarterback town. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is winning Super Bowl, and his wife and brother are two of the biggest idiots I've ever seen on planet Earth. So, I mean, his, his brother's a felon now. Well, we're so not going to have to see him ever again. Uh, yeah. Well, thank goodness. And it really, you know, it's so funny because like two years ago, people were like, you know, he really needs to sit down and say, listen, you're you're affecting my brand. You're affecting like really our livelihoods, our money that seem like we're making money off of my demeanor, my face, my presence, my attitude, and you literally are tarnishing that. No bueno, it's not good. And like, and then for a year, they disappeared. Like I you did not hear of either one of them until he's on a, you know, security cam getting arrested. Yeah, after like molesting somebody multiple times. Turns out you can't forcibly kiss somebody multiple times. Who knew? Right. And apparently that's like the light side of what he did from the reports that have come out since, but yeah, thank God I don't have to see Jackson Mahomes. Hopefully, Brittany gets arrested for something for like assaulting somebody at a bar soon, <laughs> because I'm just tired of watching her pour beer on people. Like, 
just like have some class have a little bit of class please uh, seriously just take some of your husband's Patrick yeah. seems like a very nice guy. I, I'm pissed that he beats us all the time, but like he seems like a very nice guy. I, uh, Peyton Manning used to beat a lot of people too, and people were like, "He's so funny in the commercials." <laughs> yeah, Pey- Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning used to beat people regularly. Tom Brady used to beat people regularly. If Tom Brady's wife wasn't a supermodel, you wouldn't know who the fuck she is, right? Uh, Mahomes' wife, girlfriend, whatever the fuck she is. Not a model, not famous in any way, shape, or form, other than being the girl who sleeps in the same bed as Patrick Mahomes. But everyone knows who she is because she's kind of a bitch. Like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna spray champagne on the other fan, on the other team's fans. I'm gonna pour beer on people. Like, my team won. Here's a beer on your head. Like, and like, how, how do you not understand that you can't do those types? Of, just, just right. being a human being. Like, just, it's not okay for one drunk fan to pour beer on an opposing team's fit. Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, we won. Then on top of it, I'm going to pour a beer over your head. I mean, it just makes you an asshole. And that's not okay for any fan to do to another fan. It's just exacerbated by the fact that you are the wife of the face of the NFL and the person who's going to be dubbed the next Tom Brady. Well, and how do you not understand you can't do something like that? And the worst part about it is like, so if you're if you're that fan, like if you're sitting in like the seats in front of her box and she dumps a beer on you after like as as the clock strikes zero and you turn around and threw a beer back in her face, who do you think's getting in trouble? Right. Like you're sitting there soaked and now you're sitting in jail because you threw a beer back at her. Listen, when you, you watch it, hockey. They always get the retaliation. It's never the initial one. Yeah. There, there's a scene in one in my favorite show. Shorzy, like he hit me first. That's hockey 101. You retaliate. You get the gate. That's like the first thing they teach you in peewees. You stupid fucking idiot. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't retaliate even if she's even if you want to. I, I can't call her any of the names I want to call her because this is somewhat of a family show, but uh, that is going to wrap it up for episode 126 of Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast. Uh, got some editing to do on this one because of some internet issues, but we will get to that. All 126, that. 129. 129. I, dude, I'm tired. It's fucking late. <laughs> that, that root beer moonshine hit me right in the fucking uh, mouth. I got to be up for a chest workout in the morning with Aaron. It's going to be a long day. Uh, but thanks for tuning in, guys. Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast, part of the BICBP radio network. Check us out online, BICBP-radio.com. Find us on social media, Hats, Tats, and Stats podcast on Facebook, at HTS underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter. Like, follow, share, subscribe, tell your friends, and as always, go Bills.